Good morning. Oh, that's a beautiful sound. If you would, please turn with me over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 35. And I hope that you will continue to pray for me and for yourselves and for one another this morning. This morning, with the Lord's help, I want to talk to you a little bit about what it is we're doing right now. But in particular, what a wondrous and precious gift the church is to us. I think here in the United States of America, we have lived in freedom for so long that we have taken for granted what we're able to do right here. Folks, right across our north border, they're putting people in jail. About a year or so ago, I asked the folks at Mount Perrin and I put a blog, I think, out on the internet that got some positive responses and some negative responses to it. And when we realized that things were going to be shut down a little bit longer than two weeks, I asked the question, what do you miss the most? And I didn't add anything to that. I just asked the question, when things are shut down, what do you miss the most? The concern that I had was many of the Lord's people didn't list church anywhere near the top of the list. And I said, I fear we've already lost. And it's kind of proven out to be that way that folks that were kind of on the the fence as to about whether they ought to devote their lives to the Lord just kind of gave on over to the world. And it breaks my heart. Because the church is an awesome and a wonderful and a precious gift given to us. And it was promised for 4,000 years. <laughs> a little over 2,000 years it was promised to come unto the Gentiles. That's us. <laughs> Whenever there were promises of the coming Messiah, it talked about some promises coming to the Gentiles. This prophecy here in Isaiah 35 is one of those. And so it is something that God's people have longed for for a long time. And so we ought to be thankful. And we should have been longing (laughs) to come back together. Or... Been a little ornery if you want to like I was, and I didn't quit. (laughs) Couldn't get everybody to come in, but I I couldn't quit. I couldn't see it. We tried to remain as safe as possible, but we kept on meeting. First year I was in Georgia, I think Brother Chris Edwards and I, every other weekend traveled to a church in Georgia, so I was getting to learn all the brethren there, and then everything shut down. Just as I was getting to know folks. Thankfully, that's starting up again. This makes, this makes three weekends in a row. And I've been at church on a Saturday or on a Friday also. So I'm thankful for that. And I hope you are as well. And I hope this meeting serves the purpose that it should. And that is, first of all, to give glory to God. Second of all, to strengthen Bethlehem Church. 
And third, to give each one of us the motivation to go back to our home church and realize what it is we've got. (laughs) Isaiah 35 is a scripture that has been very dear to me for a long time. Back when I was an undergrad at Texas Tech, I was trying to compose some pieces for choir. And my composition professor gave me this text. And I wrote two or three different pieces for choir and was never satisfied with it. A couple of years ago, I finally preached through this and realized why. Because it wasn't intended for a choir to sing in a concert. It was intended for the people of God to sing in church. The blossoming desert came from that. One of the first things that I want you to notice here... Well, actually, I want to read the beginning of 36 and then go back a chapter. Isaiah 36, now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, the Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the defense cities of Judah and took them. That's not good news. It's a fact that it happened, though. Because of the disobedience of Israel, they were taken captive. And that was Judah's warning. And Judah didn't listen. And so they were taken captive. But here is the mercy of our God. Before it's declared that this is going to happen, this promise was given that it wasn't going to be the end of the story. So what we need to realize that it may become more difficult for us here in the United States of America. But there is a promise of a continuing kingdom. And there is a promise of a day where there shall be no night. And the enemies will all be gone. I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle with Isaiah chapter 35 as to how to interpret it. Is this talking about the end of time? Or is this talking about the time of Christ? Or is this talking about the gospel kingdom that we have here in the church? I always struggle for about 30 minutes, then I come up with the same answer that Brother Joe said. Yes. And I think that's where we've missed it in the church. As we have forgotten what this is. This is the everlasting kingdom of God here on earth. And so when we look at this, and it looks like things that are going to take place for all eternity, they are. But God intended that they take place right here, right now, in Zion, the city of our God. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. You know, this prophecy amazes me right off the bat because it doesn't talk about something for us. It talks about when the kingdom is found on earth that the world even rejoices. The desert and the wilderness rejoice for them. Why? Because all creation knows. The earth knows its maker. We know that. When its creator gave its last breath, the earth shook because the earth knew what was going on. And what's described here is that 
even the birds of the field and the wild animals. And I know there's some figurative language in desert and wilderness, but folks, the fact of the matter is the natural thing is there as well. Sometimes even the animals realize more than what we do. Because the church of the living God on earth is a blessing to the earth. Not just to us. And when there is a land that does not have the church of the living God, it is not a blessed land. So let's go into this. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. Who? Us. So we ought to be glad too, shouldn't we? It's, it's, it's high time we grow out of what I used to do as a boy. I mean, no disrespect to my parents, but at the, at the time when I was growing up, regular church attendance in many parts of Texas was not a, a thing. It, it, it's just, you, you go every once in a while. Some people maybe go once or twice a month, but when it was not something regular in my life, I always tried to figure out a way to get out of it. And one particular Sunday, I heard mom and dad talking about before breakfast, we was going to go to church. And so I hid myself. I had hid myself in many places before, but I found the perfect place. I had a toy box. And it was a long one. Opened up the lid. Took out the toys. Put all the toys back on myself. Left enough space for me to close the lid back down. And I laid there in my coffin. Let's not find ways to not rejoice. When we see the day approaching, not only should we be looking forward to it, we should be encouraging others. Because it shall blossom abundantly. If church is not blossoming abundantly for you, there are lots of possible reasons as to why. But the first place we ought to start is with ourselves. The church at Laodicea found in the book of Revelations. We know what that text, I stand at the door and not, does not mean. Here's what it does mean though. You have an entire church that is meeting and Jesus Christ is on the outside. Born again children of God are meeting, going through the process, and they don't even know Jesus isn't in there with them. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He said, if any man will open, I'll come in and sup with the church. Doesn't say that, does it? He said, I'll sup with him. So where we need to begin is if church is not an abundant blessing for you, open the door. (laughs) Open the door. And realize that we have blocked Christ out. Now, he's an all-powerful God, and thanks be to God for salvation by grace plus nothing because if he added up the times that we rejected him or hid in our toy box to try to stay away from him that would far outweigh any good that we have ever done so the church it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it the excellency of Carmel and Sharon they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. So church should have joy and singing. Y'all knew something about singing was coming, right? (laughs) 
sing. Even if you cannot match pitch, sing. You're not singing. Well, you're supposed to be teaching and admonishing me and one another. But first and foremost, you are to be singing with joy to the Lord. So sing. And I can tell you from a long time of teaching singing, if you never sing, you won't ever learn. But if you start singing, you just might learn. (laughs) And the glory that is there mentions Lebanon and Carmel and Sharon. Places of deep devotion and description of the glory of God. And they're given to the church. (laughs) Because the church is far beyond all of those things. And most importantly, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Do you know where the glory of the Lord is shown forth in this world in 2021? In the house of the living God. In church. I am thankful that we old Baptists were forced into the technology age and got the message out there on the internet and other means. But folks, that ain't church. That's an evangelical tool to bring people into church. To glorify God in His full glory and excellency among His people. It's the reason if you're sick and you have to watch on Facebook for a time, that's temporary. Because I'm like Brother Tim, I need to see your face. I preached one Wednesday night from my basement. One said, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) I need to see your faces. Fortunately, had to do another one, but as soon as I could, I said, anybody that can come down, we'll spread out. We'll do whatever makes you comfortable. Because folks, here is what happens at church. If you're not at church, this doesn't happen. Let me state it again. This is what happens at church. If you're not in worship of the Lord with the fellow saints of God, this next statement doesn't happen. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. It's real easy for an old Baptist to say, you get strength for weak hands at church. When you're afraid or feel like you're not strong enough to get through the day or the week or even the moment. Feeble knees. That's when oppression has come down so much. That not only you're not quaking in your boots, you've gone beyond that and you've fallen down. Church says stand back up. Both of those we like to say. We also like to say, say unto them that are of a fearful heart, be strong. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us that we'll never be afraid. But the Bible does tell us that we shouldn't stay there. And the devil's going to convince us 
in any way that he can, stay away from them. And you'll be okay. Let me make sure you understand something. The devil is not in charge of hell. And so even those that worship him foolishly, he hates. He hates all human beings and he's a liar. And so to have the idea that I need to stay away from the people of God in order to gain strength and courage, it ain't going to happen because the only place the Bible declares that I can is with my brothers and sisters in Christ. We are his hands to hold one another. We are his countenance to smile and shine on one another in a way that we can see it. And the promise is that your God will come with a vengeance. Now, like I said, there's three fulfillments of this. One of them, he came. He died upon the cross. And he killed death. (laughs) And at the end of time, that will be proven when all are raised. And we're with God forevermore, just like Jesus Christ. So he, when, he, when Jesus came, he didn't come. He, he described himself as meek and lowly at heart. You know why he did that? That was the example of how we ought to be living. But to his enemies, he came with a vengeance. To those that laid captive of us, he came to destroy and he did. But more than that, your God will come with a vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and, what does it say right there? Save you. Folks, get to church and get saved. (laughs) There's too many of the Lord's people that are being lost to this world. Not eternally, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm still an old Baptist. But folks, there's a salvation that I need and that you need today. And it's only found in one place. And the promise was that he would do it here. (laughs) Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Folks, when Jesus Christ came on earth, these things happened. You cannot toss out the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ because if you do, you have tossed out the Lord Jesus Christ. He showed that he had power over all of these things so that he could show who he was. Yes, he was a man, but yes, he was also God. Come in flesh. And so there were those that couldn't see that now they can. There were those that couldn't walk. Now they leap like a deer. We know the stories. There were those that couldn't speak and now they sing. I think John the Baptist's father was one of those. He kind of doubted. You know, all the women around him were giving testimony about the Lord. And this priest that should have known what was going on doubted what God said. Doubted the words of the angel. And so he was struck dumb for nine months. 
But I think the next thing that he did after he said his name is John, meaning God had named him, I think he sang (laughs) about what was about to happen. That Jesus has come and is issuing forth his visible kingdom. God has always reigned. Now it's even more visible than it ever was under David or Solomon. Because it is a kingdom that our earthly enemies can't see. If you can't see it, you can't hurt it. And I love that. And then the amazing thing about the church of the living God. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool. And the thirsty land springs of water. And the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. God did not design his church to be a place of thinness. It is a place where there would be a desert were it not for the kingdom of God there. And not only is just a little trickle going down. You know, if you look at a map of Texas, it's not this way in Georgia. The creeks there in Georgia are as big as the rivers are in Texas. Creeks in Texas are marks on a map. But when you go and find them, you find a dust trail. Because once every 50 years, they become a creek. When it finally rains enough. Church is not designed to be a dry creek bed except every 40 or 50 years. Or a couple of times a year, however you want to define it. The church of the living God is designed by God when his presence is there. That though it be a desert, it's now a pool of water. There's an abundance. And a highway shall be there. And a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. You know, John the Baptist came and made straight a highway for our God. That doesn't mean that John had to get the earth ready so that Jesus could do something. John came Throwing out all of the false doctrines that were taught about the coming of the Messiah. So that God's people could see that Jesus is the Messiah. He talked about their minds. And the highway of our God is in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The highway is a way of passage. A way of continual passage. A highway is supposed to be a place where you're not stopping and starting all the time, but you're continually making progress of joy. And I'm not going to talk about the people that it's not for. People that it's not for think it's foolishness, so why worry about it? They think we're fools. I've told y'all at singing school, embrace your weirdness. When it comes to folks out there in the world, embrace your foolishness. If they think you're a fool, rejoice. That means you're probably doing the right thing. But here's what this place is for. It shall be for those, the wayfaring men. The older I get, the more I realize the old stories of Abraham and others that sought another place. I rejoice to see that there are folks that were much younger than I was when I realized that realizing 
This is not their place. They're not investing their entire life in gaining wealth here. They are setting up treasures in heaven in their teens. So preachers, we got to keep on preaching. And us folks with the gray hair, (laughs) we're probably going to need to just step out of the way and let them loose. Because they're more bold than we were. I know you're probably not going to believe this, but there's some young folks more bold than Joe Nettles and Tim McCool. (laughs) And it's a blessing to see that the highway of our God is continuing on and has strength like that. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Now there's clearly description of glory at the end of time. Because there are still dangers in our world today. But I don't think this text all of a sudden just talks about eternity. (laughs) I think it's still talking about the church. It's not saying that troubles are going to go away if you just go to church. What it's going to show you is what I call the God option in your life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thought that there were only two options. Option one, you won't burn us up in the fire. Option two, you will burn us up in the fire. And their result, though, they rejoiced in Nevertheless, we're going to be delivered from you. So they thought there were only two options, die or not die. Either way, we're going to be delivered from you, O Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't know about the option that you and I know about. I don't know if it occurred in this manner before those three men, but there was church there in that fire. Because three men were thrown in, bound. And four men walked around loose. And brethren, thank the Lord for your King James Bible because the others don't say it. Nebuchadnezzar himself says the fourth is like unto the Son of God, not an angel. Church occurred in the fire. And they walked around free. And they came out with not even the smell of smoke on them. That's how the lion's not there. Lion's got no teeth. Lion's got no claws. Because God is there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return. And come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. There is coming a time of a church service that will never end. Where God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. But we don't have to wait to sing the songs of Zion. We don't have to wait to have the tears wiped away from our eyes. The ransomed already. The ransomed of the Lord shall return to Zion. We know from Hebrews that when the Bible's talking about Zion, it's not just talking about eternal glory, it's in specific talking about the church. We are ransomed, folks, now. And we can return. Return? 
Well, after the pandemic, we certainly can return. But something that you need to understand about this, and thank you, Lord, I didn't see this before. Even if you have never been into the house of God, you can return to Zion because there was never a time where you weren't a child of God. He loved you with an everlasting love. And he chose you before the foundation of the world. You were placed in Christ. Then you were God's child in all eternity. And he's given you a place to come back to him. (laughs) But let me make sure you understand something. He's given us the responsibility to come back. James says it this way. Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto thee. It is not necessary for us to do things to save ourselves eternally. We cannot. But when God has designed the place for us to be delivered from this present evil world and we don't go, that's on us. (laughs) Ain't nobody to blame but me. So look at these last words again. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. And here it is again. With songs. And everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Folks, when we come to church with a true heart. Seeking to glorify God. This promise is given to us. That we'll come in with singing and joyful singing. And we'll receive some things. Everlasting joy will be upon our heads. The same joy, when we are raised in his likeness, we can live now. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And I don't know about you, but I've had enough of sorrow and sighing. I know too many men that have preached more funerals this past year. Than they preached in all of their ministry. I need a reminder. I know Isaiah 36 1 is there. I know this world takes me captive sometimes. But I need to know that there is a promise that that's not the end of the story. I need to know that when a loved one is lost to COVID or cancer or something else. That's not the end of the story. I need to know for myself. That the fear and the worry. And the sorrow and the pain and the sighing. You ever done that? <laughs> Stuff just keeps happening. Just, <gasps> it doesn't say it'll go away a little. In church, it flees away because it's the enemy of God. And God is here. May the Lord bless you all is my prayer.